gold standard. Welcome to the Dr. Hedberg Show for cutting-edge practical health information. For the latest articles, videos, and podcasts, visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com. The information in this show is intended for educational purposes only. Always consult your healthcare professional before attempting anything recommended in this program. And now, here's Dr. Hedberg. Well, welcome everyone to the Dr. Hedberg Show. This is Dr. Hedberg. And today I'm going to be talking about the autoimmune paleo diet, also known as the autoimmune protocol diet. Very, very popular diet uh, in the functional medicine world and on the internet. Uh, Some books have been written about it. And uh, many, many testimonials, anecdotal reports of people who have gotten great results with their autoimmunity following this diet. But we've never really had any studies to examine this diet to see if it actually is effective. And today I'm going to be covering a recent paper that was published on the autoimmune paleo diet. We'll dig into that and talk about the strengths and the weaknesses of the study and if it actually works. So this particular paper, it's called Efficacy of the Autoimmune Protocol Diet for Inflammatory Bowel Disease. Dr. Conagetti, he's the lead author, and it was published in the peer-reviewed journal uh, known as Inflammatory Bowel Disease. So the two uh, diseases that were studied in this particular paper were Crohn's disease, which is an autoimmune inflammatory disease of the bowel, and ulcerative colitis, which is also an autoimmune inflammatory gastrointestinal disorder. So we had those two, and the study had 18 adults, uh, but three of them withdrew because they just couldn't commit to the diet because it's a very restrictive diet. So there were only 15 uh, participants at the get-go, So 9 out of the 15 had Crohn's disease, and 6 out of the 15 had ulcerative colitis. They do talk a little bit about the causes of Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, and these aren't really that much different than the causes of pretty much every other autoimmune disease. So they mention genetic factors, which we know about gut dysbiosis. We know that the microbiota in the intestines is really key in inflammation, autoimmunity, overall health, uh, many, many factors. Uh, They do mention diet as a factor in autoimmunity, environmental exposures, and immune system dysregulation. The only other thing I would add there that they didn't talk about would be infections like chronic viruses like the Epstein-Barr virus, and then uh, certain bacteria and even parasites and yeast. The other thing they mention is how the typical Western diet, uh, you know, high in refined carbohydrates, a lot of omega-6 fatty acids, uh, high in saturated fat, low fiber, uh, the foods are not nutrient-dense, so low vitamin intake, all of those things are factors in autoimmunity. So what is the autoimmune paleo diet? 
It's also known as the autoimmune protocol diet. That's what they call it in this uh, particular paper. Basically, it's kind of an offshoot of the paleo diet. So you eliminate all gluten-containing grains, all gluten-containing foods. You also eliminate all gluten-free grains. You eliminate dairy, eggs, nuts and seeds, refined carbohydrates and sugar, legumes, so that's beans, lentils, peanuts, nightshades, refined oils, food additives, coffee, and alcohol. So that's everything that's eliminated from the autoimmune paleo diet, which doesn't leave that much, and that's why it works. We'll talk about potentially why it works. So the goal of this particular diet is to basically remove everything from the diet that could potentially be inflammatory in nature. So we're, we're removing some of the most common allergens like gluten, dairy, eggs, and nuts, and then going a little bit stricter with certain things like legumes and uh, seeds, uh, refined oils, you know, like canola oil and things like that tend not to be reactive, uh, but they can be inflammatory. So that's why they're removed. So we know that removing all these inflammatory foods will enhance the body's ability to repair itself on a daily basis. And a lot of these foods also can lead to dysbiosis. And we talked about dysbiosis being a key factor in um, autoimmunity. So about 70% of your immune system is in the gut. And all those bacteria in the gut have key connections with the immune system and the brain and inflammation and many other factors. So what do you eat in the autoimmune paleo diet? You eat fruit, vegetables. Now they do recommend, of course, low glycemic fruits, so mainly berries, um, vegetables, uh, lean meats. So when we're talking about meat, we're talking about free range, organic, uh, things like that. Fish would be wild caught, healthy fats. So that would be olive oil, avocado, uh, macadamia nut, and then of course, uh, fish oils, coconut, and then sweet potatoes are allowed on the autoimmune paleo diet. So you can see it's it's pretty restrictive, but you're not really eating anything that's going to be potentially inflammatory unless you actually do have a sensitivity to uh, some of these foods. Like you could have a sensitivity to beef. Even if it's grass-fed beef, you could still have a sensitivity to that or maybe even salmon and then various fruits and vegetables and things like that. But overall, you're stripping uh, the diet of, of the main factors that could create an inflammation. The other thing that's emphasized in this diet is fermented foods, so like sauerkraut and kimchi. Kimchi is one of my favorites. Um, I eat uh, a mild kimchi on a regular basis, and uh, that's filled with uh, healthy bacteria. And then the other thing they they promote in this particular diet is bone broth because it really works well for healing the intestinal barrier. 
and it has some pretty profound nutrient density. Okay, so what did these subjects do in the study? They followed the autoimmune paleo diet. They did a six-week elimination phase, and that's where they stick strictly to the diet, and then a five-week maintenance phase, and it's where they didn't reintroduce anything. So basically, it was 11 weeks on the autoimmune paleo diet. They put together a Facebook support group page. It was a secret group uh, just for the participants, and they were able to support each other, uh, communicate different recipes, ideas, and strategies. They also had access to a health coach and a registered dietitian. So they were instructed on proper sleep hygiene, stress management techniques, proper exercise instruction, grocery shopping, food preparation, like how to make bone broth and all the benefits of fermented foods. They were also educated about the use, against the use of NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, because those NSAIDs can lead to bowel inflammation and contribute to dysbiosis. They were also given two books. The first is called The Paleo Approach, Reverse Autoimmune Disease and Heal Your Body by Ballantyne. And they were also given The Autoimmune Paleo Cookbook, An Allergen-Free Approach to Managing Chronic Illness by Trescott. So they got a lot of support. I mean, that's a tremendous amount um, of resources and support through the whole process. And we'll talk about why that's actually a big weakness in the study. As far as testing goes, they did C-reactive protein. And if you're a patient of mine, you know we always check C-reactive protein because we want to see uh, mark the uh, level of inflammation in the body at a very specific level. They also did what's called fecal calprotectin, and that is a measure of inflammation in the intestine. And then they did some basic uh, blood work, uh, vitamin D, iron levels, CBC, and things like that. And one of the things they note is if, if the these subjects were found to be deficient in vitamin D or iron, then they were supplemented with those to to uh, replenish those levels. So after 11 weeks, let's go over the results. 11 out of the 15 achieved complete remission at six weeks, actually. And it was uh, six out of the nine with Crohn's disease achieved complete remission. And five out of the six with ulcerative colitis achieved complete remission. All 11 patients maintained remission during the five-week maintenance phase. One, The one patient with Crohn's that did not go into remission, uh, he or she actually reported that uh, that their joint pain completely resolved. So they still had the bowel issues, but the joints were 100% pain-free. Now, two patients with Crohn's disease actually dropped out before the end of the six-week period. So that brought it down to really no statistical significance in the remission rate, because that would bring us to six out of seven with Crohn's and five out of six with ulcerative colitis achieved complete remission. 
C-reactive protein decreased, but not to a significant level statistically. And the fecal calprotectin decreased in, in the patients as well. So some changes with those markers in some patients, not statistically significant. And all the other blood markers, like the complete blood count, uh, the liver enzymes, cholesterol, things like that, no real changes in any of those levels. One of the patients, however, with Crohn's developed a small bowel obstruction, which required hospitalization. And this was due to the significant increase in raw vegetables and meat. But they did note that this particular subject didn't really communicate properly with the registered dietitian or the health coach about what they were eating. So they significantly increased a lot of meat and vegetables, raw vegetables into the gut. And uh, it was probably either too much and not didn't get the guidance they needed from the the health coach and the dietitian. The other thing they did was they did an endoscopy, which is just a scope down into the intestine, and they looked to see if there were any changes in the gut mucosal inflammation, and they did find that sign the signs of mucosal inflammation actually reduced quite a bit in all of the subjects in the study. So this is uh this is some really profound results, but let's talk about the weaknesses of the study. So we can't get overly excited uh without looking at a lot of other factors that uh that didn't come into play in this particular paper. Now, I do want to tip my hat to the authors because they do point out a lot of these weaknesses, like the fact that it was such a small sample size, only 15 participants. um, And of course, you know, some of them dropped out. So very small sample, not enough people to make any really strong claims, but still a great start. The other thing is that this wasn't just the diet. I mean, they got... Um, education on stress reduction techniques, uh, which is going to really help the immune system and uh, it's going to help the digestive tract and get people more parasympathetic rather than sympathetic. So they were getting that. They were instructed on sleep hygiene, so they probably started doing things to improve their sleep. Also exercise instruction, so they might have gotten out a little bit more, maybe some walking Some of them might have been overdoing it, and so they were instructed to cut back and things like that. And we know that too much or too little exercise is a big problem. They also got all that support on the Facebook group from everyone else. It was like a little community that can help you in healing. Then they had one-on-one with a health coach, and the health coach is going to go over everything, you know, psychological things, stress, food. And they had support from a registered dietitian to give uh, a detailed analysis of the foods that they were they were eating and making sure they were right on track. So that's actually one of the biggest weaknesses is all this support, all these extra modalities added in. 
So we can't really separate the diet alone from all these other things. And that's one of the biggest weaknesses of the study. Another thing is they didn't do was, uh, stool analyses to look for, you know, dysbiosis, bacterial overgrowth, parasites, yeast. They didn't do any testing for infection connections like the Epstein-Barr virus and other viruses and bacteria. And uh, so we look at, at the people that didn't go into remission. Some of these other factors may have been at play and, and they weren't looked at. Another weakness is, is there was no control group to compare the results to. Usually you would have one group following the diet and then another group following what we would call a sham diet. And and they would have actually thought that they were following the autoimmune paleo diet, but actually they weren't. And they would have also gotten all that support that we talked about, the sleep, the stress, the health coach, etc. And then we could have gotten a better look at how effective the diet is alone compared to having all this other support and all these other factors. The other thing that I thought about was, is this is this really an all-or-nothing approach? Is it an all-or-nothing diet? Is that absolutely necessary? So let's say some of the people had some nuts just a couple times a week during the study. Or let's say they had some brown rice a couple times a week during the study. Would they have gotten the same results? Uh, would it have made the patients worse? We'll never really know because that would require large numbers of participants following very, very specific diets, some of them including some of these foods, some not. And uh, so it was, it was kind of an all-or-nothing, ultra-elimination-type diet. And we just don't know if they could have been a little bit more liberal and had some more variety. That's something that we'll never know. Now, a lot of the patients that I see with autoimmune disease, they've already tried the autoimmune paleo diet. And many of them get worse or they didn't notice any changes at all. And that's because of all these other factors that aren't looked at, like unidentified infections, hormonal issues, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, chronic stress, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, many, many factors that could could also be involved in autoimmunity. And that could explain why they got, got worse or why they didn't get better. The other thing is that this is a very low FODMAP diet, uh, meaning that it doesn't have a lot of food in it that the gut bacteria like to feed on, like um, fibers uh, from certain starches, like from beans or legumes, certain grains. Some people really need those things to have a really healthy microbiota in the gut. And so if you go on a strict diet like this, uh, you will begin to lose some diversity of your microbiota and in some people that could create more dysbiosis and that will of course make someone worse if they have autoimmunity once you start screwing around with the gut bacteria in someone who has autoimmunity uh, you can potentially uh, see them get worse so that's another thing to think about in this particular diet and why 
why it's so important to make sure you know exactly what you're dealing with before you jump into a diet like this because you don't want to end up in the hospital like one of the subjects with a bowel obstruction and you definitely don't want to end up worse worse off like some people are uh, when they try the autoimmune paleo diet so be sure you're getting a thorough evaluation to look at all these other factors that i mentioned and also to be certain that this particular diet is is best for you if you have autoimmunity. I'll use a variety of different types of diets depending on the stage that the patient is in and where we are in their in their healing process. Uh, the other thing to think about is if someone has a history of an eating disorder, you don't want to do a strict diet like this because psychologically that could make them a lot worse. Uh, so that's another thing to think about. But overall, I'm really glad that this paper was done because we need to have more research looking at the connection between the foods that we eat and chronic illness because it is such a major factor. And there really isn't enough out there on it. Uh, you know, we don't really have any large-scale, uh, you know, gluten-free diets on many, many um diseases that we're dealing with we have a few but not much and so we need to see a lot more research like that so that it can get incorporated into mainstream medicine because um, a lot of these i mean all these patients in this study were taking medications for their crohn's or their ulcerative colitis and they did stay on those medications during the study so that was the other thing is that this particular diet didn't seem to have any bad drug interactions at all uh, with any of the patients. So it can be used in conjunction with conventional medical therapy. So again, if, if, if you're going to try this, if you have autoimmune disease, make sure you, you're working with a licensed healthcare professional and make sure that they're looking at all these things that we talked about, like chronic viruses, hormones, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, the whole spectrum of things that can be involved in autoimmunity so that you can have a much smoother healing process. So I have a link to this study on the article I wrote about this paper, and that's found on the website, drhedberg.com, under Articles. If you want to actually read the paper yourself, it is a free paper. You don't have to pay for it. It's open access. But that's kind of the summary of the whole thing. And uh, again, very exciting. Even though it has some weaknesses and a small sample size, I'm still glad that, that they have it out there. All right, so that's the autoimmune paleo diet uh, paper review. This is Dr. Hedberg. And I will talk to you at the next podcast. Take care. If you enjoy the Dr. Hedberg Show, you can support it by sharing each episode on your social media channels, like Facebook, and by leaving a review on iTunes. Please visit drhedberg.com. That's D-R-H-E-D-B-E-R-G.com to access the show notes and resources for today's episode. 